It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Yeah, he's threatening to make me move back home to Indiana. He's been talking to my Uncle Fergie. The guy who was here last week? I thought he had a great time. Well, he did. But all he told them about was the two times he got mugged. Well, that was just bad luck. Yeah. What are you lived here? Two years. How many times have you been mugged? Ten. But, <laughs> you know, that's including the two times with Uncle Fergie. Oh. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello, and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me to discuss the deceptively titled episode, Cheers, the Motion Picture, a longtime friend of the Fire and Water Network, the host of Pop Culture Affidavit, and the co-host of Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Please welcome Tom Panarese back to the show. What's up, Tom? Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? <laughs> so if this is Cheers, the Motion Picture, um, is Shelley Long or Rhea Perlman in the Ilea role? <laughs> I was going to say, you will believe a man can drink at the bar and just sit there forever. Yeah, yeah it's it's cheers the motion picture, but it's just an episode. It's, it's yeah. not like a movie adaptation or anything. And as we as we mentioned uh, off air before, when, when we were getting ready for this, uh, this was one that you put your name on a long time ago. I think it's been two or three years. Um, I think you were on the first season of Cheers Cast, and like right then you were I, like, "Hey, can we do? Can I do this episode when you get to it?" Yeah, because it was one of like three or four episodes that I remember off the top of my head for a spe- for like specific lines or gags. Mm-hmm. One of them, and I think anybody might tell you, a lot of people might tell you, one of them was Thanksgiving Orphans, which you know is one of the more kind of iconic episodes of the show. And then there's a there's a few here and there I know of remember mostly from the Kirstie Alley years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this there's a specific scene in this. Without giving, you know, without giving too much of it away yet, that um, I will, I never forgot having first since ever since I first watched it, and I think uh, syndication back when I was in like junior high or high school or something. All right, well uh, then, let's get to it. A little bit of a teaser uh, there, right? Yeah, yeah, right. To, well, we won't have, we'll not keep the, the audience in suspense anymore. So, mm. um, we are on season five. Episode 24. Yes, we are that deep into the season, folks. We only have two more episodes this season. And this is Cheers, the motion picture written by Thief Sutton and directed by Tim Barry, not hmm. James Burroughs. Interesting. Yeah. I think maybe Burroughs was a country he would only do like so many episodes per season because this one was getting longer. And uh, the original air date was Thursday, April 2nd, 1987. Woody's father, believing that Boston is a dangerous, disreputable city that's having a corrupting influence on his son, tells Woody to move back home to Indiana. To convince him otherwise, the Cheers gang decides to make a movie showing Woody's life in Boston, interacting with his friends in and out of the bar in a positive light. After rejecting Diane's initial scripted vision, Sam and Norm take over the movie. When they screen the final project at Cheers, Boston and Woody's friends look less than admirable. Diane decides to reclaim the movie, editing Norm's footage with clips from Battleship Potemkin, other stock footage, and set to Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries. This somehow fails to impress Woody's father. Before he moves back to Indiana, the gang gathers at Cheers, and each one gives Woody a going-away present. Well, almost all of them. 
But at the last second, Woody's father calls and tells him he can stay in Boston, having received an encouraging anonymous letter from someone at Cheers. No one takes credit for the letter. When Woody wishes he knew who wrote it so he could thank him, Old Al reveals himself to be the author. Ah, righty. Um, before we get into the, the notes, uh, just uh, mentioning the, the new director, Tim Barry. Uh, this is the first of three episodes that he directed for Cheers. Um, the other two both come in season six. Mm. Um, well, Tom, what did you think? Why did you specifically, why did you pick this episode? What did you want to talk about? It? Um, the the thing I remember the most about the episode is is the the two different films that they make <laughs> mostly the original version uh, because of two jokes one norm and woody going to the hungry heifer <laughs> and norm opening up the door and the entire place shouting norm <laughs> and then fraser talking about you know how reputable woody is sitting down at his desk and a guy goes just flying by the uh 19th story window. window he's like and i and, and fraser looks at he says wait run that back and they run the film back and they do it again you see the guy fall again he says like i told I him to tell like dr judd to keep his windows locked when he's doing his, his depre- depression seminar yeah, yeah i know it's just like which is such an incredibly dark joke but i um <laughs> i watched this so i watched cheers um, and i've been on here twice before i so said this but up until maybe about the last two or three seasons when I was like kind of old enough to stay up because this, this was April 2nd, 87. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was about, I was about two and a half months shy of my 10th birthday. There was no way I was watching cheers first run when I was nine years old. Um, so, but later in later years, WPIX 11 in New York used to run it at seven and 11 o'clock at night. And so, you know, after all of the, you know, in the sitcom block. So my friends and I just got to watching cheers every night at seven o'clock unless there was um, sometimes they wouldn't run it if they had to run the pregame for that, that, that other baseball team in New York. But um, cause that's, that's who they were. That's who they would show. Um, but yeah, so we just, so this was one that I just remember um, really vividly re- just because of those two bits, especially the Frazier with the guy falling out the window and then Diane making like this, she mentioned battleship for Tempkin. I keep thinking like triumph of the will. Like it's, it's- so weird <laughs> oh yeah it's it, it's, it's a weird, then, yeah uh, there's like bizarrely dark things in yeah. this episode well and then woody has like one of the better jokes of the entire thing where and and this is apropos because jean-luc godard just died yeah, and we yeah, were recording yes, it but he yes. says you know my my dad she's like it didn't get to your father he says well he thought it was too derivative of godard <laughs> Yeah, I was reviewing it last night when I was looking at IMDb and I saw that like he had died. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the timing. I, I completely forgot. But then when I was rewatching the suicide bit with the guy falling past Frazier's window and I'm like, oh, they've got to just gloss over that. Right. That's too dark to actually call more attention to it. But they do. I don't know if they could get away with it. I was I just I fell down. I don't know why I was I was looking at the. I couldn't, I didn't look for the ratings, but I was just kind of curious as to like, you know, the first time I was on here was in the first season. Mm-hmm. And then I was a couple of seasons in. Um, and so now we're in season five and we've got two episodes left with Shelley Long, which I remember before it even registered with me what Cheers was. I used to, we used to get TV guide. 
mm-hmm. and like Shelley Long leaving Cheers was like a cover story the TV guide one week so okay. that's what I remember that's my memory of that mm-hmm. so it's like well where was this show in the ratings and it was the number three show in the country because yeah. it was airing yeah. at nine o'clock on Thursday you want to guess the other two uh cosby show was number one i believe yep and the second one was family ties uh, yeah the three leading like they, they were all consecutive yep yeah they all and and they yeah they all entered this this is like must this was the birth of like must see thursday and i was just yep. kind of so then i fell down a ratings i, I fell down a, a nielsen ratings rabbit hole on <laughs> we haven't had oh and then night court was on at 9 30 and hill street blues then la law were on at 10 so right. i mean that's like this is this this keeps NBC going in way well as the late nineties. The last time there was a sitcom in the top ten was Young Sheldon, like two years ago, and then the ba- Big Bang Theory a couple of years before that. The last time NBC had a sitcom in the top ten for the year was Friends in the oh, last in its last season. Yeah, I was just because I was looking at the Nielsen ratings, but that like friend and 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 when they were having that like really really high stuff it was because like that was right as reality TV just took over. Mm-hmm. So, I was just kind of like really curious as to just kind of go chart nerd on the Nielsen's like when was the last time people actually sat around and watched sitcoms on the level that they watched like cheers and I know the office and parks and rec and 30 rock were popular but they were never they were never bringing in like cheers numbers no maybe two and a half men and in, in the big bang theory were um over on cbs but like i just nbc being this juggernaut and i think that's one of the reasons i like i, I watch so much of this network um because of our childhood being so tied to it through action shows and then all the comedies and things like that so it's just kind of was I- kind of curious as to like you know how how they could, you know, how the show was doing at this point when Shelley Long left. And I was like, wow, it was, it was there. I mean, this, this was the period of this. And when right after was when I started watching it at, like on a night, like on a, a weekly basis, like it mm-hmm. was this, this particular Thursday night must see lineup yeah. like before they even called it must see. Cause I don't think that started until Seinfeld. I um, think so. Like Seinfeld met about you like that, those yeah. particular years. That was when it was branded, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, getting, getting yeah. into this episode, um, we st- we start off like right in the teaser. Woody is on the phone with his dad, who wants him to come home to Indiana, and Woody's all down about it. But he's like, you know, whatever you say, if you think it's best, and. He's he's telling the guys he's like what's going on. He's like he my dad has this impression that Boston is the dangerous place. He's like after talking to Uncle Fergie, and Norm's like wait the guy who was just visiting the other week. He's like we showed him a great time. I thought, but he's like yeah, but all Uncle Fergie wanted to tell my dad was about the two times that he got mugged. Which is great. Like he was here for a week and got mugged twice. And French was like, well, that's just bad luck. Woody, you've lived here for two years. How many times have you been mugged? <laughs> And Woody goes, 10, but that's including the two times with Uncle Fergie. (laughs) And then, and he said, somehow my dad got the impression that, you know, every guy in Boston is some lonely, pathetic weirdo. And at that point, we get Cliff Cliff. (laughs) badgering some other customer, going back to an old forgotten bit that he used to do in a couple seasons ago. Comparing a piece of fruit or vegetable to a famous person, and, and I want to say that was on one of the one of the that was on the episode that I was with you because um, he, Fraser was trying was billing him for oh, yeah. psychotherapy services because yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> And is chasing this pet, this customer, holding up a melon or something, going, "Is this not the spitting image of George Schultz?" 
That's a, that is a dated reference, by the way. Oh, yeah, was that Reagan's Secretary of the State at this yeah, time? Reagan's was that State. Or was that yeah, Reagan's Secretary of State. Secretary of State. Yeah. <laughs> so, cut to after after the the open credits and everything. It's back, and uh, as Diane, she has this camera, um, which interesting because she's holding a, the video camera she's got is like a film to tape, but later on when they're doing the screenings, it's like a film projector. Oh yeah, uh, like a film reel projector. Or something. Huh. But anyway, so she's got this, go. and like it's she's somehow like explaining to them and like talking about like how they they convinced they they decided as a group that the best way to convince Woody's dad would be to make a movie showing Woody in Boston and all like the the good light. So, but and what is Dan's line? Who better to service auteur than the person who ruined the curve in her film techniques class? <laughs> And I have to say, like, I was thinking about this and and Al writing the letter at the end serves as the answer to the, well, why didn't they just pick up the phone question that you have through like the entire plot of the episode? Because this is a very sitcom plot. Let's, right. let's let's avoid this simple way to for the solution to the problem and go through the thing that's the complete roundabout crazy way. Right. You know, it's <laughs> it's a classic sitcom thing. Mm. And and that's what makes it funny that like that that's what sets up a lot of really funny jokes but that line about like you know and she's all like you know <laughs> i ruined the cur-. like you know of course you and of course that's like a point of pride for you <laughs> um yeah well well calling herself the auteur yeah yeah and yeah. then she has this bit where she's like she tells them to show more reverence to the script that she wrote <laughs> but then also tells them to be spontaneous <laughs> And, and then, I, oh, they God. got like the index cards with their lines in them, and I think Sam has his taped to a coffee mug, which <laughs> I appreciate because that's totally that's got to be like an actor in joke, mm, you know, where oh, like because yeah. you read about like actors, especially on like soap operas, for instance, where they've got like scripts buried on different parts of the set and stuff, or mm-hmm. you know, or there's or somebody's got. Um, I was watching the Friends reunion recently. And uh, they were talking about somewhere in the somewhere in the kitchen part of Monica and and Rachel's apartment. Courtney Cox always had like lines. Um, it was like either in one of the bowls or the sink or something like that. Like you know, so and so I think that to me that's like there's a little bit of a and I mean may I might just be projecting, but I'm like it's got to be a little bit of an actor in joke with the with the lines. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I think before cup. before he died in his last season, I think uh, Nikki Calasanto was doing that. That. Mm. Um, I, I think I heard like yeah that he had his he had bits of his dialogue and everything written all over the bar all over the set. Just kind of, <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> what is the title of Diane's movie? I don't remember what it. I just remember Un film de Diane Chambers. <laughs> the title is Man Child in Bean Town. <laughs> it's oh it's so God. good. Um, oh. and then yeah, so then like they're getting to like the the oh, everybody's going through their lines. Carla hates that she can't memorize her lines. She feels like she's not a good, like, so she just starts going through her her like she's just calling this thing stupid. Yeah, like Sam saying one of his lines is like we I miss Woody's smiling countenance. <laughs> like, you just, like, 
uh, like dying style. And then when Woody like actually comes in, he's like, hello, buddies. Just like so over <laughs> entrance. And Sam goes, come on over here and join us for some male bonding. And you see him like cringe after he says the line, like, oh my God, why are we talking like this? Um, and then <laughs> finally Sam gets the breaking part where he's describing Diane. He's like using her script. He's like, my lovely and cherished and she feeds him the line fawn like <laughs> fawn like bride to be and then that's when he has it he's like yeah this is stupid and and finally Diane is like storming off she's like okay she's like you guys can do this yourself just don't come to me when the mise-en-scene deteriorates <laughs> and Sam calls her cinema puss he goes we don't need yes. you either. I like that. and then they're like she gives the camera they're like how do you work this thing? Yeah. Where is the on-off button? <laughs> Where's the on-off button on this? Uh, I mean, there, some of the just, they're just in the the wit back and forth, and and the, they're so around each other so much at this point that the the dialogue just clicks. But some of the bits are dumb, and mm. but they work because these are the actors that on-off bit. That's a dumb bit, but you're just like that that just works totally because of yeah. of this crew. And then once we actually get to their their movies, and this is partially why I wonder like how much why why the director isn't Jim Burroughs for this one. And mm. I wonder because the the Tim Barry, the guy who's the director, was actually a producer on the show throughout the whole life of Cheers. Yeah. Um started okay. off as like one of the lower ones and up going to like associate producer, then producer and everything. But I wonder if it's because like so much of this was like second unit shooting like either on different stages or different locations. I wonder if like Burroughs is like, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm working on other stuff. And he's like, well, I'll do this. And then it's like, okay, then just direct the other scenes in Cheers. Yeah. And they end up cutting it all together. Yeah. This, and it was, um, and I wonder, I was wondering too, because this without, with the exception of the second unit stuff, it's almost a bottle episode because they, they never leave the front room of the, but I mean, the show rarely left the bar, but I mean, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all contained within there, and then and the other stuff is like the second unit stuff. You could have very well done as almost like home because it, it looks like a home movie. So, yeah. uh, you, you you might not need a lot of heavy equipment. So I was wondering if this was an episode that I don't like. To, the word filler sounds really derogatory, and and it, that's not because it's a very I find it a very funny episode, and and um. But it, it almost because it's like a twenty. We're talking. This is you said this was episode twenty four, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're talking like a twenty six episode season, and you and I have been watching television for a very, very, very long time. So we remember the days of um, where you had a where a twenty six episode season for a show like this, or or Seinfeld, or Family Ties, or Cosby was pretty much the norm. And even if they hadn't, and they, th- this season has an overarching has an overarching story because the next two episodes have to do with the the end of Sam and Diane. I was wondering if this is one of those episodes they kind of dropped in because they needed something there because they would do that with um, I remember like Smallville and the Flash and stuff like they tended to do that and there were there were always like shows where they would put just kind of a random case of the week episode in before the the ramp up to the season finale especially since we're just about to get to May so I don't know if that's true but it does feel like this could have been slotted just about anywhere in this season yeah that's right i mean as long as once they've established that sam and diane are together that they're Mm -hmm. actually like engaged so it has to be the second half of the season yeah but yeah that that aside and i think maybe i mean like they 
I mean, I, I don't think the next two episodes are necessarily bigger productions. I can kind of see that, but I think, I mean, I, I feel like for the longest time, a standard show, a standard like full season show was 22 episodes. And I don't know yeah. when that became the standard. I think they would order extra episodes from a show like Cheers because it was the number three in the ratings and they mm-hmm. wanted more content. So they would just pay and maybe like again, just like the extra work because the previous episode, the one right before this was also by another director, Tom LaFaro, mm-hmm. not Jim Burroughs. So it might've been that you just like, he he was planning for the the finale or something like that, and he just needed the extra time off. So they built in these these two episodes at the end with uh, alternate directors or something. Yeah, and because I, I would imagine that the next two episodes aired in May. Yeah, they, so yeah, they th- between this and those two episodes, you have like two or you have about probably three weeks worth of reruns, depending on mm-hmm. when, when May sweeps actually fell. And because um, I would imagine that the last episode of the season aired during sweeps. Yeah. And um, so if you didn't have this episode in the episode before it, you've got a longer stretch of reruns going into sweeps. So or you have to juggle some things around in your schedule. So, yeah, I was just wondering if if, if they did order more and they and they slotted these in and they allowed, you know, a couple of people to kind of have their shot at directing and stuff. Mm-hmm. The results very good, so you know mm-hmm. it's not not to denigrate it. I was just like it was just kind of curious as to me. It was like this does look like you could tr- pick it up and put it somewhere else in the season, and it would still work. Speaking, speaking of like Sam's cut of the version, all like the different locations. <laughs> um, this is kind of the first time we're seeing the outside stairs leading to the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the first or second season, there was a transition shot where one of the customers, like, was it the, like the outside streets angled, like went downstairs and then we cut to inside the bar and he was coming through the door. Um, but this is like the first time where we get like an angle, like looking down those stairs to the front door and we kind of go there. We Sam, Woody goes into Sam's office where Sam is sitting there reading the Bible, as we know <laughs> Sam so often does. Um, and when Woody calls Sam the big brother he never had, well, except for Tom. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> so I think the first mention of Woody's brother, and also Woody didn't know that Sam had a brother a few <laughs> episodes ago that, that came up. So, and yeah, that, it just uh, I love that <laughs> Sam is reading the Bible. What he's like, he's reading the. About the Galatians. And he's like, oh, those Galatians, when will they learn? And there's like, he's got like a pug. (laughs) And they're petting this dog. (laughs) Yeah, because, yeah, because they're trying to guilt and and shame Woody's dad. So they're like, if I, if I have to leave Boston, I have to give up this dog because what kind of place is a small farm to raise a puppy? And you can't even do cloying right. It's like, no, and he's like, yes, yeah. so he's, he's like, I'm gonna have to put it to sleep. I, I'm sorry, but what other choice does I have? And Sam was like, what kind of dog is it? He's like, what's the difference? He's gonna die <laughs> <laughs> again. This really kind of dark joke. <laughs> as they're both staring at the camera, like, Dad, is this what you want? I wonder. I wonder if they actually had fun shooting this because the humor was so dark and it allowed them to just kind of cut loose a little bit, you know. Maybe. Especially since I imagine these bits were not filmed in front of a live studio audience; like they they would have been just shot and then. I imagine yeah. that they were shot and then they were projected. Like, so the audience was seeing them at the same time the characters were. 
So that might have given them a little more freedom because they didn't necessarily have to wait for a reaction or anything like that. They could have a little <laughs> fun with it. So there's something um, weirdly Monty Python about it too. I just, oh yeah, yeah. Um, then we get to Carla's yard where she's having like a backyard barbecue um, where some of the guys are sitting at the table. Carla, again, just sort of like keeping in character with her not wanting to read Diane's lines. Like, can't improv can't act in front of the camera it's so good that Rhea Perlman kind of freezes up on this because she's just like hi hi he's like can you say something other than hi it's like hello <laughs> and then she turns around and like run after like her kids her kids are chasing like Frazier yeah, they're chasing Fra- that's one of the best parts about it he's focused on this and it's just an absolute madhouse yeah. they, like, take, they take Woody's shoes or something and put them on the put grill, the grill. <laughs> And then at one point, at one point, Sam and Cliff are knocked down because an airplane, and we've established that Carla lives right next to the airport. Yeah. A plane comes overhead. The noise drowns out whatever monologue Woody is trying to give to his dad. And you see Sam and Cliff fall off their chairs, pushed back by the roar of the plane. <laughs> it's it's such a great... Uh, this goes back to like Python or Mel Brooks or something where like the, the, the straight man is still doing the whole thing and just the chaos is erupting around him. I mean, it's, it, this is why I think I love it. It's, it's, it's drawing on just so many classic things we've seen and they're, mm. and they're doing it masterfully because he's just like, and, and it's and Woody keeps talking and keeps talking and it's just, Oh my God. And then we cut to Cliff on his mail route. And the big joke out of here is that they're actually walking through an apartment, delivering letters and everything like that. And he's going through and he's talking about, of course, Cliff is bragging about the prestige and the noble honor of being a postal carrier. And he's asking if Woody wants to hand deliver one of these letters. He's like, I'm not a government employee. He's like, aha, I was just testing you. I was like, you're, yeah, your son's got a, sh- your son is a sharp lad, Mr. Boyd. And then, like, the, the gag is, like, once they're out of frame, you see all of the, the tenants come out of their individual apartments and switch letters because they all got the, delivered the wrong thing. And this must be a regular occurrence. This scene, I mean, I, I hate to say because we tend I tend to look at Cliff as the weakest part of the of a cast. Like, Cliff episodes tend to be weaker, although I wouldn't change him for the world. Uh-huh. Um, but I think this was kind of the weakest part of the, the the whole episode it just like it wasn't as funny and it was just kind of talky and yeah yeah but the exchange of mail bit is like it was just setting that up and you knew that was going to happen and when they did it, it was pretty funny and and, and the, it's that stuff because after they after they finished the movie he's like i don't know how you did this but you made me look like kind of a jerk <laughs> Well, the other thing being with the uh, with the neighbors, I think, like you said, it's a regular occurrence because there's just this regu- there's just sort of this familiarity on everybody's faces of like, yeah, here, like we do this every day, and I think that's that's what holds it up. But I mean, there's like four or five bits in this whole um, little movie that they that Sam and Norm put together, and uh, this is probably the weakest one of all of them because uh, it's not, you know, I guess it's not as as high. It's a little more it's it's a little more just kind of like this is the joke you're expecting and cliff can be a little bit of the weaker uh like but even then i like you're right i wouldn't have i wouldn't have swapped him out for anybody in the cast or anybody else really because um it's it's still it is still pretty funny you know you're talking about you're talking about like the weak man in the lineup on like a murderer's row right exactly. so i mean exactly. <laughs> i mean just as i've said there's no bad episode of cheers there's no bad cast member like cliff like, yeah yeah, it's yeah. Not. anyway then we get to 
maybe the best part we transition to maybe the best part which is the hungry heifer we finally <laughs> see this place that has been mentioned so many times and they're sitting outside and woody sets it up by saying he's like like don't worry about it boston is known for its many health food restaurants <laughs> or something and norma's like impatiently like come on come on let's go inside and when he opens the door you hear of course <laughs> no norm, which is i think it's all the funnier because it's the second time they've done this joke last season when they were at the bowling alley norm like went to the the to the bar to like get a beer or something and you hear everybody at the bowling alley like shout, norm and Stan was like what, they know him here too and, and cliff is like he's got a life outside of cheers you know <laughs> just, so i just think that's perfect that yeah he's, he's the, that much of the regular there that he, they get him and then when they're sitting there and we get our i think our third and final appearance by corinne who is a substitute waitress at cheers occasionally mm. um who voiced lunch lady doris for a couple of years on the oh really yeah for i think for like the first two or three years on the mm, okay. she was lunch lady doris and eventually is replaced probably because the actress died but i don't remember i think it was i think the name name is the name of the actress doris Grau. Doris Grau yeah yeah, yep. yeah i think she did pass away at one point um yeah. while the in the first uh, maybe five ten years of the show yeah but i did not realize that she was that was her that's pretty awesome yeah um but <laughs> she's taking the order for norm and woody and norm orders the feeding special the feeding frenzy special for two yeah and then she asks Woody, she's like, what do you want? And Woody's like, oh, I think he ordered for both of us. And Norm just looking at him like, no, <laughs> no. He's like, don't, don't make that assumption. <laughs> and then when Corinne is leaving, she looks at the camera and she goes, Sam, do you want anything? And the camera just shakes. And she's like, smart move. It's perfect. The amount of food. Oh, it's sick. It's, it's a- like a wheelbarrow. <laughs> There's like ears of corn piled up. And like just- potatoes. Yeah, it's just like meat upon meat of like charred oh food and everything like that and the joke the joke is constantly told and it, it, like they they mention it all the more so later on but like this is not good quality food i don't <laughs> think it's possible to be with quantities this much like but, oh my god and, and the norm's like wait corinne what about the french fries she's like i thought you'd need room for dessert and what he's like see they take care of you here they're always thinking about it. <laughs> i know um, <laughs> Oh, and that's oh. when we go to Frazier's office oh, at the end. And, oh. and Woody and Frazier just tells him, he's like, Woody is a boy of singular character. You've raised a good man. Trust him. Listen to your instincts. He's like, and now allow me to dispel some of your thoughts about psychiatry. And that's where he's sitting the at his body. desk. And you just see this body falling through the window behind him. And gosh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, that's that's too dark. Please don't. It's- Please don't hang a lamp shade on that. And then, and then, they do. He's like, wait well, a second. That? Right. <laughs> and it's all the funnier because they didn't notice it when they were filming it. I mean, I have a feeling Sam didn't even catch it. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then the thing is, like, Frazier, like, sees it and he's just like, he just makes like this off colored joke. He's like, oh, yeah, suicide in our building is a pretty regular occurrence. He's like, like, it's not like. You just witnessed a, a death. It's like, is this not a snuff film or pretty close to it? 
It is even for this show. It's a pretty dark joke. I think that's why I liked it so much because <laughs> I don't think they go like it's like just this one-off joke. But that's the one that stuck with me through the entire that and Norm at the Hungry Heifer is what stuck right. it with me for like twenty to thirty years at this point. Or <laughs> just like mm-hmm. man, because the body just so, goes. <laughs> um, and after that, um, they're all just kind of like, well, <laughs> we don't know if that achieved the desired effect. And and actually, Al is like, you all look like jerks to me. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and then, what yeah, does Diane say? The problem is the structure. It's too linear. <laughs> and Norm was like, that was bothering me, too. <laughs> it is almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch with that especially the Frasier thing and and this was in the era i think around this time the, the it was the first era year or so of the dana carvey mike myers nora dunn jan hooks phil hartman cast like that really powerhouse cast yeah, ladies. yeah i remember this some of these bits i could see with that cast on that show and maybe that's one of the reasons i love the Frasier with the guy because i could totally see <laughs> John Lovitz sitting at that desk and the guy behind him. It's just, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I think that's think that's what it is. I think that's it, it struck me as you were describing it. I'm like, that's a total SNL bit. Yeah. And I think that's the I, other yeah, reason I, I like now, it yeah. so much. Yeah. So Diane decides that it's too cerebral. It needs to be more emotional. It needs to tug at the heartstrings. So she's like, oh, let me take your raw footage and recut it. And then this is where we get unfilmed to Diane Chambers. Man, child, and Beantown redux. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, right off of that ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> and it's all the stock footage. And you're right. Like, there's images of Nazis, of Roman <laughs> gladiators, of biplanes black and white like a tiger is attacking like, is there like an just, atomic bomb explosion in there that's yeah, how it ends yeah. it ends she she's like she's like trust yourself because we don't know how much time we have left what? <laughs> atomic bomb going off and it's, it's like yeah she's like sam a former baseball player and she intercuts all of these like baseball highlights with like other like Roman gladiator Colosseum like, <laughs> battles and everything and tries to draw all of these parallels and and Cliff is like talking about the importance of men in uniform as she cuts to like marching like the red square or something like that. It's just stepping and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's and yeah, it's so typical that like when when we find out like she's like, What that your dad didn't like it or that he didn't find emotional what he's like, no, he thought it was derivative of Godard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They they really knew they really knew what line to put where, and they really knew how to play that that comedy against expectations and things like that. Um, and then, of course, with Al at the end, um, mm-hmm. you just like later on in toward the end of its run, Seinfeld would do this episode where George was trying to get this apartment, um, and I think it was and and the guy who. Oh, he was the, he was competing for the apartment against a Holocaust survivor. No, yes. the guy had survived the wreck of the Andrea Doria. Oh, yeah. And so Jerry says, "Just tell them about the your life." Yeah. And <laughs> we we get flashes, and it's it goes on for hours apparently, and and we get flashes and 
like, you know, and I had been in the pool that day, like, you know, and all <laughs> yeah. these callbacks. And in the end, neither of them get the apartment because the guy Elaine's dating just like basically pays off the the rent board or whatever, slips him a couple extra hundred dollars or whatever, and just gets the apartment. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it was so it's it's kind of like Al's kind of like that. It's like, you know, he did what they should have just done in the first place. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, love, it reminded me of and that. As Woody's preparing, as Woody's preparing to leave, Sam gives him his photo of him <laughs> in his Red Sox uniform and everything that's hung up on the bar. Carla gives him one of her Elvis earrings, and she says, "Besides, my the guy I went out with last night swallowed the other one." <laughs> Diane gives Woody a copy of Being in Nothingness by Charles Sartre. And she's, her mother gave her that in elementary school. That, that explains so much. Yeah. Uh, Norm gives Woody a six pack of beer and Cliff gives him a sheet of commemorative stamps with all of the U.S. presidents except nine because like one of those sheets is torn out. <laughs> And then it just looked. Everybody looks at Frazier. He's just like checking his pockets. He's like, "I didn't know we were giving gifts." He's like, "It's like, why didn't somebody tell me?" He's like, "I can, can I write you something like?" And then as Woody leaves, and it's kind of like a somber, like sad ending. Like this could have been like a, a cliffhanger or like a, a finale or something. Yeah. Or, or like this, like with a little bit of a different like uh, setup in like the the Di- Sam and Diane dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. this might've been an interesting episode for the fourth season after his first year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he leaves and then they're, they're kind of down and depressed, but then they get the phone call and they call him back. He's like, your dad's on the phone and he runs back and says, Hey guys, how are you? Um, and then he hears that. Yeah. He's like somebody, somebody sent his dad a letter that just said, let your son choose his own path and it will always lead back to you. And he's like, which one of you wrote it? And none of them will take credit for it. And he's like, I wish I knew so I could thank him. And you just see Al at the door going, don't mention it, kid. <laughs> so the the funny because the funny thing is you're mentioning how this could have been an arc and stuff, which is interesting because that's a very typical sitcom of the 80s thing to do, where you would end up with like a maudlin ending too, right? You mm-hmm. know, like and and Cheers doesn't really do that in that regard and i think they they subvert that a little bit with this episode because i could have seen the this character might leave or will leave because it's their last episode of their contract (laughs) um and we do this type of we're trying to convince him to stay and in the end he has to go or he does stay and everybody's happy and i could have i could have totally pictured that on like the facts of life or mm-hmm. growing pains or uh well we're you know, gonna see something in a couple episodes yeah yeah so the sort of you know but they 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 subvert that a little bit but even with the you know, a couple episodes and i'll be listening for that one um when I, when you guys drop it uh even then i remember that not being as uh like you know not as as schmaltzy as it could have been you know because it's very possible that those things could you know having watched way too many family sitcoms over the years <laughs> i know how bad those can get so <laughs> um norm for norm's tab norm had five beers this episode yeah. um which brings him up to 480 for the series um and for the employee of the week uh, this was a tough because there were a lot of good people but i i just i gave it to norm just because he was involved in so many of my favorite parts of the episode <laughs> um diane was a good runner up um but yeah I, I had norm as my employee what about you i think norm uh norm is the one who i agree with you he's in all the funny bits um and i think that 
I would say Diane is a runner up of this. Diane's kind of being Diane in a way that like, but I think Woody deserves some credit here because he, because I forgot how good Woody Harrelson was playing that role mm-hmm. of the, of the hayseed kid. And so he essentially plays the straight man through the entire episode. And, and among all of these bits, that's a little hard to do. So um, I do have to give Woody Harrelson a lot of credit for, for being able to kind of carry, because he is the center. He has to carry a lot of the stuff in the episode being the one, you know, being the <laughs> one who it centers around. And he has to, he has to, he can't acknowledge the jokes, right? You know, he's not part of any of the jokes because they're happening around him. So I give Woody, so I give, uh, I put Woody kind of in a second place as well. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the home run, I had the the hungry heifer crowd shouting Norm as my runner up. Mm-hmm. My actual funniest bit, which keeps it always takes me by surprise, but I laugh out loud at it, is when they're in Sam's office and Woody is talking to Sam, and he just goes, "Our other friend, Mister Peterson, is holding the camera." And the camera kind of shakes, <laughs> and for just a fraction of a second, you see Norm peering into the camera lens like he's trying to turn it around so that he can chew his face but you only see like half of it in the corner it's like his his nose and one of his eyes and it's just huge like blocking it's so funny like he's trying to give himself a close-up so you can see him but it's so clumsily done it's just what and it's so fast too (laughs) that is really funny um yeah, I, I my 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 home run bit is obviously Frazier <laughs> jumper. I, I that's the, like the half the reason I was like I got to do this episode because I just I had it, it like for a year I had to see the episode in years and I remember that exact moment and then I remember the line about the depression seminar. So but yeah, but that that Norm bit is funny too. I just <laughs> oh. yeah, I I think those those and then. Yeah, when they're at the Hungry Heifer and Norm orders the Feeding Friends <laughs> oh, special one. for two. And he's like, I think he's ordering for both of us. And Norm's just like, no. <laughs> no. It's like that's, yeah. I think those all three of those jokes are why I gave Norm the MVP for this episode. But. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Tom, thank you very much for coming back on Cheerscast to talk about this episode. It was a whole lot of fun. Where else can our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Yeah, I've got two podcasts over at the Two True Freaks Network. Uh, my prime, uh, I have Pop Culture Affidavit. That's everything random in the world of popular culture, uh, where I take a look at books and movies and TV and music and all the comic books and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then my other one is called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Uh, Stella, who's the host of Batgirl to Oracle, uh, she and I every month take a look at one uh, book and we, you know, read it talk about it dissect it and decide whether or not it's required reading um so those are both on two true freaks um you can also find me at popcultureaffidavit.com for like the blog side of that one podcast and then i'm on twitter at pop that's p-o-p-a-f-f stella also has a show on the fire and water network it's about i don't know emily bronte some some woman author oh, i don't know Gene i don't, I don't listen <laughs> It's almost up. She that was a mini series, I believe she's doing. I think she's just about to drop the last one. I'll so. record this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell her you said that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for being on this episode. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheers Cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. 
You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, as long as it's not Stella's. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Hi, Corinne. Hi, honey. Studying at the feet of the master. Huh? What can I get you, Norm? The, uh... Feeding frenzy special for two. How about you, honey? Well, I think he was ordering for both of us. No, no.